round around it goes when you play Chinese whispers. It starts out with one message. Starts on one end. Slowly makes its way around. And then normally always the message changes somewhere along the road. No matter how often you play, no matter how much you try, it's very rarely the same as what you start with. So today on the With Joe Eby podcast, we're going to be talking about this idea of Chinese whispers and building on what we talked about in the last episode about why cavemen didn't want sports cars. And it's thoroughly interesting. And let's think about it in detail, get to the heart of this problem. And if you remember what we're talking about was that obviously sports cars didn't exist. That's why they weren't an option for cavemen. But it's not just that things exist, right? That's one level of what we want. But it's also that other people want them. And that we're wired for social proof. And that because of that, we take on the ideas. So we know how Chinese whispers works. We're conscious of the game and it's a bit of fun. So no one really minds. But obviously we have... <laughs> A lot of Chinese whispers in society in the way information is passed, but also the way ideas and desires are passed. Except unlike a game of Chinese whispers, we're not actually conscious that the idea is being passed through into our brain by someone else and that it goes through us. This is the scariest part. It goes through us to someone else, the desire gets passed along in a way it wasn't intended. So to build on this idea from the previous episode, I want to talk about some examples of that, of aspiration that we hold on to that probably doesn't come from us. We don't step back and question because the amount of time effort we based the, the, the premise is we live in a much more materially rich and technologically advanced world today, there's more on offer. There's more available to us. It creates opportunity, but it creates problems. It creates problems because of decision fatigue, uh, conflicting priorities and goals, which give us huge headaches. And it also can take, um, depending on demand, it can take a lot of effort, energy, time, and attention to pursue one thing. And we don't realize when we start out that we, we have a lot of opportunity cost when we start on a journey to pursue one thing. We, we, we sacrifice time that could be spent on other things. So that's why I'm a really big believer in stress testing those desires before we set out. Or at least determining where those desires come from, where the wants come from before we engage. So I'm going to give two examples that are probably unique, but are very specific and individual to me. They're just things I value um, that probably are not that common or consistent amongst other people. Some unpopular opinions. So brace yourself. We're going, we're going deep. Not that radical, not that radical. The first is actually owning a home. I picked that example because it's very relatable. Uh, I used to work in, well, sorry, used to. I still work in real estate, but was more focused on it previously. And... Uh, it's uh, well, I've seen firsthand the journey. I've seen what's involved, what it takes, right, to get into property, 
and especially owning your own home, which is very different to investing, uh, especially coming from a place like Sydney, which is very expensive, has a very expensive property market here that moves ahead of what people can afford more and more over time. And I realized that when I look around, for most people, the biggest decision or milestone in their life will be buying a property. It's the, it's, it's the idea of uh, the American dream in America or the Australian dream is owning your own home and it's really tailored around a product. The question is, does the product really serve you? Because for a lot of people, it's a milestone and it's an, it's an it's important part of their ideal life. In many cases, renting uh, keeps more cash flow and capital available to do other things that can be more rewarding, especially in a time where with online revolution, more and more becomes possible. And there's just more options and more things you can do. And that return becomes more appealing to look outside of owning one's home. For me, uh, the more time goes on. That's a very specific example. It's just me. Having worked in property, coming from a family that, you know, has worked in the property industry, my experience has taught me that owning a home is not really a priority for me for the foreseeable future. It actually doesn't make sense for me. It'd actually be a very bad decision financially to buy a property, considering my minimum viable lifestyle and what I value. For other people, that sounds ridiculous, and that's fine. I'm not uh, encouraging people, I really don't care. I mean, I'd, I have no horse in this race if you listening or watching value buying a home and if it's the most important thing in your life, that's fair enough. But I like to give uh, what I value lots of competition so that I can make sure that there's really good things competing for my attention and time and journeys that I go on. And everyone's just different like that. The thing is, it's a countercultural idea. It's unusual for me to want that. That'll probably become more and more uh, common out of necessity. But when the Chinese whispers go around, it doesn't seem, it's not normally something that people avoid. It's an idea that gets passed around, but no one ever thinks about what that means, what's required, and what compromises might be involved. And so people over-focus on that outcome at the expense of other outcomes right it causes a lot of people to get locked into jobs they don't like doing making decisions around money when they already have their mvl it's for reasons like that it just doesn't value it just doesn't jump up especially as a young person as being that valuable to me that might relate to you it might make you thinking differently about property i don't know and i don't care the the primary problem is not property as an example around how we come to value things and where those values come from. I like to negotiate my own values, not have them inherited. Another example, I have, I just have, someone has to call this out. The concept of weddings in, in Western culture are downright uh, ridiculous. Now I come from a Lebanese background and the Lebanese have these huge weddings. And admittedly, a lot of the time they're very fun um, but I'm talking like 300, 400, 500 people. The problem is we have these huge families, all these siblings and then, uh, sorry, cousins and extended cousins. And everyone 
actually like staying in touch, but it creates this problem when it comes to weddings. But I think not just not just uh, my cultural background and and the and the family and having having a large number of people there, but the glitz and glamour of these things. When I look at it from an outside perspective, it's just downright ridiculous. Now, the reason why I've, I found these two examples uh, very funny today is that I'm probably alienating probably a massive portion of the women out there by attacking owning a home and having a big wedding. Um, <laughs> but that's just me. I mean, I don't apologize for it at all. I really don't give a shit. I just find these, a lot of these things ridiculous, the way we participate in them. The absolute circus, um, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars are spent on weddings on an occasion that's a one-off, that's one night. Uh, in my perspective, the value's not there. But for other people, it more than is there. For some people, the huge outlay that goes on the dress and the flowers and the invitations and the whole, uh, you know, the myriad, the whole industry around it, uh, it's it's a bargain. It's, it's, it's worth it to them as an experience. And that's great. But again, that's another one that just, does not appeal to me at all. When I think about what the amount of money people putting to weddings can do, again, I just don't, the value doesn't stack up. It's almost worth just not getting married for that reason alone. So again, that's a huge uh, just repellent to all the women out there, just to make sure I'm adequately repelling you. All right, you're not gonna, if you're interested in Joe, you're not getting a big wedding, and you're not getting uh, you're not getting a mortgage anytime soon. Well, not for a, not for an owner occupied property. We're investing that money. Sorry, at first. Um, but yeah, anyone else? Yeah, Instagram me. Okay, so I had a bit of fun. I've also uh, you know soiled on some people's dreams that they have that I just see no stock in, and that's fine. I mean, you shouldn't care what I think, and I shouldn't care what you think. The reality is, most people do, and that's the whole problem. This is the Chinese whispers. It gets passed around. Obviously, the joke is that, you know, the men don't care, and it's all well and good for me to say that. There's a lot of married men here, and women, who know better and know that, you know, eventually someone's going to force me into doing, compromising on these things in a way I don't want. And they may be right. I may have to shift and compromise because the woman gets the say, right? I'm not, I'm not naive about that. Though the reality is that this idea is planted in, in us from a very young age. The ideas of having a wedding and owning your own home. They're just planted very early on at a time where we're not good at being critical about the ideas that come into our head. And then we grow up and they're staples. And it's very hard to challenge ideas that are implanted that early on. They take a very long time to shift, if never at all. But so and so it goes, the Chinese whispers, it just gets passed, but no one understands that they're being whispered to, right? It's a story that's planted early on. And you know, it's great if you're in the wedding industry or if you're in the property game. But if you're a consumer, 
You may not perceive, you may perceive the value, but where does that perception come from? What are the building blocks on which it's built? Now I think, yeah, there's just so much out there. There's so many things that you can identify value in. So there's no need to limit that picture and to never question the relationship. So that's probably enough on Chinese whispers, right? And the things we want, the wrong game I think a lot of us play. It's always good to have a challenge to those ideas. And we're going to talk next about accelerating midlife crisis, right? Which harks back to what we're talking about with the happiness curve and with the comfort ladder and with the expectations gap. And that's coming up next. But for now, just remember to a timely reminder every now and then, these podcasts are meant to be consumed in order, ideally. So to go back to the start, if you're just joining us for the first time and listen all the way through. Apart from that, just remember, if this piece is going to open a door for someone you know, remember to share it with them. Um, because the best way to open a thousand doors for you is to concentrate on opening doors for others. This has been the With Joe Eby podcast. Thank you for joining us and I'll see you again tomorrow.